Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. Today's guest is a mental fitness strategist, speaker and trainer, a podcaster, and the host of Behind the Human, we know I love that title, where he unpacks mental fitness strategies and practices to keep you on top of your game, personally and professionally. He has a background in brand and product management, marketing intelligence, and sales, and he is the author of a brand new book entitled Personal Socrates, where he probes into questions. Are we asking the right ones, the best ones, and are we asking enough of them, which I hope I do today. So welcome Mark Champagne to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. I am pumped to be here. Just in the last 15 minutes of us chit-chatting, I can already tell 100% we are going to have a fun conversation. We are. I, 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 afterwards, <laughs> I was like, wow, his last name is Champagne, and I've got martinis in my podcast, and they're all going to think I'm, I've got a drinking problem, but I don't. It's a party. It's, it's early in the morning, and there's nothing but way too much coffee around me. So Yeah, espresso martinis. Have you ever had those? No, but my cousin so adores good. them. I, I yeah. think they would be awesome. I hear they're they're quite they they went away for a while and they've become quite trendy again, I think. Yeah. So anyone <laughs> who knows me knows that I ask a lot of questions. And I'm of the belief that if we don't ask, we don't get. Or as you point out so well in personal Socrates, we don't know. So let's see how I do in the question department Ooh. today. But the first question I always like to ask all of my guests is where are you from? I am from Ontario, Canada. I was born in a small town in, in the northern part of the province. And then after university, moved around the country, essentially. Montreal, Toronto, and now I'm just outside of Toronto, Canada. I don't really hear the Canadian. Usually I can detect a little of that Canadian accent, but I don't hear that at all. <laughs> okay, well, it, I, it'll probably come out at one point. I obviously don't notice it, but... Uh, I am through and through Canadian, so it's there. <laughs> okay, well, we love Canadians. We love Canadians. Now, I am sure everyone wants to know exactly what a mental fitness strategist means. So could we start there, and can you tell us a little bit how, what that is and, and how, you use, how you help people with that? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to know what that was too, because it didn't, <laughs> I, I don't, if you Google that term, it doesn't really come up anywhere, and it, it came out of a necessity to figure out how to describe the intersection of the work that I get really lit up about. And I, I for the longest time, I remember I was working with these uh, physicians out in Houston at one point running their mental fitness uh, programming and strategy. And so then, you know, they would tell me, you should be a mental fitness practitioner. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like a doctor, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really feel right. The mental fitness part, that makes sense. Um, and then eventually, actually, I did a profile or I, I guess it's kind of like a personality test through uh, Jonathan Field's work, his latest mm -hmm. book. It's actually out right now, Sparked. And found out, you know, in, in my spark type, 
that the two things that light me up the most is what he calls the sage, which is you know, someone that's teaching and guiding, which to me is the mental fitness aspect of things. And then the other, the other side of it is the essentialist, which, which basically the description there was about, was about taking complex problems and simplifying and putting in processes so that you can, you know, decipher those, those situations. And essentially, yeah, I'll never forget, I got about it. I'm like, ha that's, that's it. <laughs> so, you know, I've spent my, my, my whole working career essentially as a strategist in some capacity. And then all of a sudden this, this whole other element of my life came, um, you know, to fruition around mental fitness and the combination of teaching people and showing people how accessible these practices are and how to implement them in complex situations, i.e. our life, as well as business problems and emotionally charged situations like that seemed like the perfect combination, uh, uh, to describe what I do. I hope at least we'll, we'll see what we see what your listeners no, think. No, <laughs> no, no. It it definitely resonated for me, and I, I list, literally just listened to Jonathan Fields on um, another podcast on Jenny Blake's podcast, Pivot, recently talking about his book. So I guess that's another one that's going to get added to my list of to be to be read. Um, so one of the things that you wrote in the book is that we're all one question away from a different life, personally and professionally. Can you talk about this philosophy and how it led you to writing this book? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that was the basically that was the the kickoff point to making the decision to write the book and and to really continue to focus on questions because for about eight or nine years I spent uh, in the corporate world, like you mentioned in the bio, just on you know, brand teams and whatnot, and as in sales and analytics and so forth. And during those years, I always had some sort of mental fitness practice early in the mornings. I didn't call it mental fitness. I Basically, I was getting up earlier, reading positive things, and then in doing so, coming across all of these different reflective practices that you notice that people that had long since passed were using, like Marcus Aurelius as a as an emperor of Rome, uh, CEOs, executives, you know, designers, all, all types of different people, and so I just kept doing the practice, and eventually got to the point where I was frustrated with the digital solutions that were out there and decided to take a leap and, and join up with my brother-in-law and co-founder uh, of what became Keo, our journaling app, which was a guided journaling experience through, uh, through apps or through an app. And I, I only share that. We, I mean, we can definitely talk about that story, but I share that because through that journey in the two years that we, were, we had it on the market, I mean, it took about three and a half to, to create we reached a lot of people, 86.9 million people in the app store. Wow. That's um, huge. Yeah. It was, huge. it was, it was insane. I mean, those are app store impressions. So that's, that's not downloads, but still we had about a, a community of around 200,000 or so. So it's, it wasn't insignificant, but despite that in the brand collaborations and, and just bringing in stunning humans, we had people like Adam Grant providing questions in the app and brands like Lego and LinkedIn and, all of that was, you know, going really well, but our business model wasn't really working. And mm -hmm. financially, we were at the end of the line or we needed, you know, we needed a lifeline, essentially. And we we got to the point where, you know, we just couldn't keep going uh, financially and mentally and had to delete the app. 
And that's where I realized that we're all one question away from a different life. Because when I deleted the app, I also deleted my identity for the last three years and was in probably the most challenging place I've ever been at um, in, in my life personally, just feeling like we failed, feeling like I didn't want to go back to the past industry I'd come from because I really felt aligned with the work and mental fitness and what we were doing. But now I just deleted the vehicle that was keeping me in that space. We had just moved to Toronto. I had, I think he was probably about, my son was two around that time. You know, I was starting to get real scared that the extreme stress that I was feeling and anxiety about the situation would start, you know, rippling over to him. You know, kids just pick up so many things, even though we're doing our our best as parents to, to shield them from that. And it wasn't until bringing enough stillness, <clears throat> excuse me, or presence into my day and reminding myself that way to sign have interviewed all these experts around the world talking about mental fitness and questions and realizing that they're asking a very different set of questions in these scenarios. Not the why me, why is this happening? What do I do now type thing, but more so for me, it landed on what do I want for my life? Mm-hmm. And that question literally saved me from where I could see myself heading a, a deep depression. And I remember thinking, I mean, if that one question can do that for me, and I had other experiences having interviewed people where a question saved someone's life or a question simply asking, am I happy or not, can completely change where you're going next, right? And same thing with, with in, a, in a business scenario. I mean, you just have to ask a different question to get a different outcome or, or result. So that's where the fascination you know, went from this stuff is really powerful questions and these practices that have been around since the beginning of time. But I feel like more people need to see a different perspective and how we can leverage questions in our vocabulary in a different way. I love that. You know, as you were speaking and, and um, it, it occurred to me that there's another part of this book. It's an excellent book. It's very, very inspiring. It's so timely right now. Because, you know, you got into this because of a situation that happened. You just, you know, obviously you shut down the app. But I think that during this pandemic, so many people have asked themselves that question. You know, what do I want? Like, you know, I've had all this time to reflect. Things have just completely gone off the rails, so to speak. I mean, for it, yeah. I keep saying we're going to get out of this pandemic at some point, but it seems like we're just still on this <laughs> hamster wheel. But yeah. it, it's a question that a lot of people are asking. And you can go that route of, oh, poor me, or you can say, you can start asking more questions. That, am I, I think that's where you're going with this. Start more questions to getting to an answer that's going to be better for you. Yeah. Or move well, you forward. Well, yeah, well, let's 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 talk about the current scenario. I mean, what, what really is happening is that just like what you hear in a lot of other books or TED talks or, or <clears throat> life stories, usually there's there's this this climax and something happens, right? The person's, in my case, you know, the the, the whole app business. There was like an explosion of my life there. Well, in this case, we, we've had an explosion of of life for everyone on the planet, mm-hmm. essentially, and so that kind of acute moment that seems to be lasting longer than an acute scenario, but that sparked (laughs) the pause, right? Mm -hmm. The autopilot was paused there. And I guess what, you know, obviously I don't, uh, there's been a a lot of tragedy with the pandemic, but the one thing that I am uh, 
I don't want to say excited about because that's probably using the wrong word. But the one thing I'm optimistic about is that it has shown people the power of of stopping and thinking Mm -hmm. and asking some questions. And I would love that instead of us having to hit those, you know, massive moments in life where you have to just slam the brakes on and it, it, you know, you're, you're like shaken essentially. Um, if we can deploy some of these mental fitness and these reflective moments throughout our weeks on a consistent basis, just like we exercise consistently to just try to remain healthy, well, then all of a sudden you're clear and you're acting with more intention. And you, you, you know, it's not as jarring to sit down and ask a big question like, what do I want for my life? Right. Or who am I? Or am I happy? right? It's now it becomes, it, it becomes the training. It's the fitness for your mind. And then there's just, there's so many other benefits, uh, not just for us, but the people that are around us and the work that we do and, and all of that. So I, one of the things that comes up in the book is that this is really a modern version of the Socratic method. So in yeah. case there's anyone who doesn't know what the Socratic method is, being Greek at these things, being of Greek descent, these people like... <laughs> Like Socrates, we we like to think that all this stuff started in Greece, but it did. But could you explain to people what what that is? I'm sorry, I'm going off track a little bit. No. Well, so here's the the truth behind the story. I remember I was speaking with uh, who is now the the publisher and the founder of the company, Joey from Baron Fig. And I was explaining the book concept. I had started writing it. And then I was also explaining kind of that backstory and how that one question led to another set of questions. And I just kept asking more and more questions. And that I noticed that throughout my interviews that the, those, the, the interview subjects were doing the same thing in their lives in, in different ways. And at one point, Joey said, oh, so you mean the Socratic method? And I said, what? The Socratic what? I mean, I know of Socrates, like most people. Um, but that's kind of as far as it went. I mean, I, he's the guy that was asking a lot of questions to his students, <laughs> essentially. Like, that Which was I think, my... I th- yeah, I think most yeah. people think that that's exactly what goes into someone's head. Yeah. So then, you know, and then he suggests, he's like, the book should be called Personal Socrates. I'm like, I hated it. I'm like, I don't want... I'm not a philosopher. I'm not trying to write a book on philosophy. Like, this is the worst title ever. So I, I left that and I said, let's just leave it, let it sit. And then I started doing the research and really looking into Socrates and the method and, you know, what it was all about and started seeing that, or I guess I was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised and impressed that that method has literally been around since Mm -hmm. 469 BC or something. And we all use it in some capacity without even really knowing, well, what if you could take the method simplified and modernize it so that it's applied in in our regular life without even really thinking about it, but that we have a little bit more intentionality into, into how we're using it. And then I started to get really excited because I started seeing, oh, there's six question types, you know, around clarity and, and expanding uh, or, or challenging assumptions. And I can't even, I can't even remember all six question types. And that was the problem. They're in the book, but that was the problem was that, okay, well, if I can't remember them and, and spit them off the you know, tip of my tongue, then there's no way you're going to apply that in regular life. So then what is the what is the summarized version of that method plus just seeing all the the insights that were coming from the interviews well part 1 always seems to be something around getting clear 
So let's talk about questions that can help expand our clarity and let us pause and think. And then from there, then we can act more intentionally with how we respond or react to situations, what kind of habits we put into our lives, what kind of how we are going to make different decisions and, and so forth. And those things and those questions are now supporting the person that we're trying to become because we spent the time in the in the clarity piece. And that's all you have to remember because if you do the first two, then the third thing just comes by by default and that's an expansion of possibility. Because you can see, you can, you know, we can, we can trust our mind to set, you know, form the the right connections and say, oh, that's where I need to go, right? It's just like the, the, the example I often use is if you, if you think of a physical room and you open the door and the room is jammed floor to ceiling with boxes of books, tons of knowledge in there and anything that you can ever want to, you know, look up, but they're just boxes and boxes and you can't see the back of the room where that box is probably where you want to go for example if you if you create the path and declutter that room and add some organization and some labels like a beautiful library well now all of a sudden you're you're really cooking right like now you can go right to where you need to go and our minds are very similar to that in my opinion because we're so fogged with emotions you know and 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 not that you know not to say that, you know, uh, that it's our fault. I mean, we're surrounded by so many different aspects. Uh, take this pandemic uh, as being one of them. Like there's so many things that we can't control that we wish we mm-hmm. can control. And that takes up the mental real estate. Or there are relationships in our lives that 10 years ago were thriving and there were great relationships, but now they fizzled. Or maybe there are different opinions on on the pandemic. That's been a big one, right? Everyone's on different spectrums. Well, that's all taking up that mental real estate. And it's really, you know, really hard to then make clear decisions on seeing what's next when you have all this stuff floating around. No, no, I I agree. And and no, as you were saying that it's, it's the other thing it's, um, it goes back to what we talk about in marketing. I talk about it all the time now is we're in such a noisy world. Yeah. That if we don't create that time, as you write in the book, is to pause. Where I think that you said pausing is where the magic is. Is that something in there? I, yeah. Am I right on that? Good. I have yeah, a good, you are. decent memory on that. Don't ask me what I did three minutes ago, though. But <laughs> um, that we don't have, we have to create that space or it's not going to be there. That yeah. we have to be very conscious about it. And I actually will um, tell you, I, this is a personal story. As I was reading your book, I had something going on that was bothering me. It was a personal thing. And I was like, you know, why is this bothering me? I thought, oh, you know, let, let me just go practice this. I'm going to make that the topic for my journal right now. And, and as I asked my, I started with that question, I literally followed your advice to a T. And I was like, oh, oh now you. I get it. Now I get it. So it was definitely, um, it was definitely interesting to experiment with it. So thank oh, you that, for that. Well, I mean, that, that warms my heart. Thank you. I mean, I have to say too, selfishly, a lot of, you know, the, the profiles and I'm thinking of the one that, that I wrote on, on Picasso that, that came to mind. I was going through the exercises at the same time as, as writing them because, you know, for, for Picasso, for example, when, when thinking, doing the research, because obviously he's someone that I haven't interviewed. Um, so I had to, to look into his life and, and see what was going on, but do it in a way that I'm not writing a biography on Picasso. I'm mm-hmm. writing, I'm, I'm, trying to get clear enough myself to understand 
where's the mental fitness lens? Like, what can we learn from, you know, his life and what people know of his work and whatnot? And then start, you know, blaring in these different practices that were inspired by a story and I would be doing them at the same time. So I was getting, you know, what I hope people get from the book, I was getting it live while, while the word, for the most part, while the words were being written. So it was, it was a fun, really fun practice. Yeah. And it's, it's, I thought it was very interesting how you mixed up the interviews with people who you actually had interviewed mm-hmm. <laughs> that you knew yeah. or you knew it after you interviewed them. And then people in the past, like a Picasso. Um, and I think yeah. you you used Steve Jobs in there. I'm, I'm trying to remember a couple of the others. People, uh, maybe you did meet Steve when he was still alive. I don't know. But um, I thought no. that was an interesting, interesting aspect of how you presented everything. So if I'm hearing all this right, though, it's also one of the things, and I think you might have used the word hot seat. This is also a way of putting yourself on your own hot seat. Yeah, so because I don't think, it, yeah, absolutely. And because I think what happens is, we we're not scared to ask questions. We're scared of the answers to many of those questions. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. And a way to, you know, approach that, at least from, from my experience, is that start where, you know, if if this is if you're looking at the book or if you're you're pondering other books and, and questions are coming to mind, I mean, start where you feel intuitively drawn to go. Because usually that's exactly what you did, essentially. You were faced with something and you went to the prompts or the practices that that could help in that moment. Because for me, especially with the book, the someone's favorite question or profile should be different this month versus in three months from now. Because the idea and the reason I love a practice like journaling or reflection or questions is that a quality question is well-timed and relatable in your life, right? I mean, just like me, I could ask myself right now, what do I want in my life? Which would be a nice check-in and a good kind of sanity check. Okay, feels like I'm on the right path, but not to the extent of it pulled me out of a depression, right? So, you know, now the questions in my life are, are a bit different and they're, they're serving the purpose right now, for example. So that it it constantly shifts. You do talk about um, journaling because obviously that was something else that you were passionate about. Do you think it's enough just to ask the questions or do you see that it is really important to also be writing down the answers to it? I know what God, I think, I mean, that, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I mean, there. so here's the thing with journaling. And this, this used to come up all the time with the app because I used to get comments like, oh, you're talking about the 12-year-old girl writing her diary about the boy at school, right? And which there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's That's fantastic. But what I'm, what I'm speaking about or what, how I was leveraging the practice was, no, I'm using the practice of journaling, which is reflection. That's the, that's the underlying practice um, to again, pause that autopilot and think, you know, and questions are a great, great way to pause the autopilot and think. So, I mean, there's definitely, there's, there's science and good literature to show that if you go pen to paper, um, you'll retain more of that. If you're, if you're writing out goals or, you know, affirmations or visualizations, whatever that is, but, and a big, but in my opinion, not at the expense of you not doing the practice in the first place. So if you're not a pen to person, pen to paper person, then don't start there. The, the key is to take the time to take a walk, let's say, without a podcast or music or an audiobook in your ears. Take a walk with a question. 
and just pay attention to where you're walking. You're, you're walking through the New York streets. There's so much to just pick up on the detail. That in itself is the mental fitness. Because if you're picking up detail like that on your walk, you start picking up more detail in your marketing plan or your brand strategy or your whatever you're working on, for example. Um, if audio notes is your thing and you want to just leave something like that, great. If you're using an app, even better. Um, for me, what I've noticed, because I've gone kind of full circle, because uh, I started the app, obviously, which was digital journaling. And then the publisher of this book, actually, they create really nice notebooks and guided journals. So then I was using their, their, their notebooks and finally got to the realization that as much as it's nice to have, you know, a bookshelf of all your journals or use an app where you have all your entries and you can look it up, like there's some value to that. The real value is to actually leverage the practice in the moment with whatever medium works. And that has been the greatest gift in the last four years or so of really dialing in these practices is that it could be 2, 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I might, maybe I get an email that just kind of irks me the wrong way. Well, I'll just take a moment and, and write that out. Like, what, like what's really bothering me or, or think versus mm -hmm. just bringing that in, packing it down and pushing forward. No, I love that. I love that. And it's, um, it's definitely practice. And it's also, again, it's what works for you. I think we're exactly. living in a time when everyone wants to have a template, you know, it makes me nuts. It's like, this yeah. is the exact way to do it. It's like, well, that way doesn't work for me. You know, I can meditate yeah. for 10 minutes using my Calm app, but don't ask me to sit for 45 minutes. I can't, it's not, it doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. So I did 10 minutes. That, that, that kind of works with it. Um, one of the questions, and you had a lot of questions, then I'll ask you um, a little bit um, on your favorites later. But one of the questions that you said that you came to realize was a risky question is the who are you question. And that really <laughs> made me laugh because I have a workbook on getting your personal brand story straight. And the first question that I ask people to ask themselves is who are you? And I yeah. remember being on a podcast and <laughs> being told by the person interviewing me that as soon as they saw that question, they wanted to shut the book. <laughs> because, and as soon as I read what you wrote, I'm like, oh gosh, I was laughing out loud about that. But why do you think, why do you think that is that people get so nuts about? I mean, it's, I ask it for myself sometimes and I'm like, I don't know why you're asking other people to do this because you really don't have a good answer right this moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, so there's a huge backstory to that question. Um, ever since my podcast started, that's the opening question for every guest on the show. And it's always met with some sort of narrative of, wow, we're just like, we're really diving into this really quickly. And, you know, it usually ends with some sort of a chuckle of some sort. But the, the underlying motivation to that question is that when the guest leaves, I hope that if they haven't given that question some thought, that they're then thinking about it a little bit more. Because typically we answer, and I ask the question for a very simple reason, is to avoid job titles. You know, we're more than our job title. I want to like, who are you right now? Because that, that person also has evolved. I mean, who I am now versus four years ago, when I left that corporate world, I, I'm completely different person. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying that's bad, good, but it's, I mean, that's just what it is, right? I mean, there's, there definitely are some core values that, that stay, I think, the, the, the same. But the who are you question, if you can really take some time to think about you know, how, how you would define yourself or how you think others would define you, right? And then, then it's really about 
pausing again and okay, now you have data or you have insight. Is this where you want to go? Is this, do you want to continue down this path? Or we all have the luxury, you know, and this, I wrote about this in Jane Austen's profile. We have the luxury to write the next chapter of our story and also bring in the characters we want to, to shape that plot or that story, right? We have that power, but we, it, we can only do that. We can only take that intentional action if we get clear first on who we're striving to become or be, right? I could I could not agree I could not agree with you more. Um, so, if is there one question that you would suggest to our listeners, of course, before they rush out to buy your book, um, <laughs> to start with, or would it be the Who Are You? I yeah, it's hard to. I would say I'll give my current favorite right now because it, it it just it relates to to where I'm at and it provides the most value. But again, I would say. The best thing to do is if you if you pick up the book or the audiobook or however you're you're consuming this to listen to the introduction or read the introduction and then just allow your intuition to pick one of the people or question that resonates and start there because you'll get the most value out of that that process because it for some reason it should add uh, again add value to wherever you're at now for me right now since I'm entering into something that's brand new. I mean, I've never written a book before. This is, it's like, it's coming out for the first time. I'm super excited, super nervous as well, but I, I'm doing everything possible to go into the process clear so that as I have these discussions and as I'm talking about the practices and, and, and what really lights me up, I can also see where to go next or mm -hmm. what opportunities or challenges, like how to navigate those things and, and avoid being kind of pulled around all over the place, for example. So I can be really clear on who I'm trying to be and the, and the ecosystem I'm trying to build around mental fitness. And so the question in the profile that, that helps, I think for me on that one is Chip Conley's and it's, you know, how can I be the most curious person in the room? Mm. And that profile ends with a final thought of the most curious person in the room is also the most present. So if, you know, regardless of, of, of which question resonates most with people right now, I think, I hope anyone can take some, some benefit in tapping into the present and, you know, being fully there for A, yourself, but also someone else on the other side. And while you're doing that, you're also training your curiosity muscles at the same time, which just helps the whole flow of asking more questions and better questions. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I do have to compliment you because you're definitely walking the walk on this. Um, I did not know you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did not seek you out. It wasn't like I saw, I saw that. But what happened was that you interviewed somebody who I had interviewed, Zach Nadler, and yeah. I think I liked it or maybe a compliment. I don't know what I did. And you reached out in, in exactly being present to it. You reached out. You were generous. Maybe we can do a podcast exchange. Who knows? And as soon as I heard the title, I'm like, you know what? This is something there. So there was, you know, I was present too, I guess. But walking in the walk, and that's how you're expanding and reaching into moving forward on your own, on your own path right now. So 
um, I well, get so you. many. I get so many people who just want to sell me something that it was so refreshing yeah. <laughs> that someone had actually said, "Oh, this is what you did, and um, this could be a connection." And um, there was no doubt that we had a lot in common on that. Um, okay, I know you have a, a busy schedule, but I do like to finish up with a quick lightning round of questions. Are you game? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So, um, your favorite social network? Ooh, I'd say LinkedIn. Yeah, it's I'm really enjoying me. LinkedIn. I feel yeah. like people are super engaged there. Yes, and 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 they're polite to each other, which is just refreshing. Yeah. I, I think that's because we have to own up to who we are on LinkedIn. You yeah. can't really be anonymous. You shouldn't be anonymous on LinkedIn um, because it's about your career, and I think that has something to do with it. Something people would never guess about you. Ooh, that my hair started turning gray in high school. <laughs> <laughs> that this is my real hair, it's not dyed. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, the last series that you binged. Oh, uh, I would say it was on Amazon Prime, Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. <sighs> I love just Yellowstone. eagerly waiting for the next one. I think uh, it's coming next month. It is coming in November. I love that show. Um, food you cannot live without? Oh, ice cream. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Good one, good one. What you miss most about pre-COVID life? Oh, yeah. Just human touch and regular connection, you know? I know this. That's, this uh, yeah. I can. I can see. I can see Mark right now. Everybody who's listening, um, you can't. <laughs> but this works in a pinch. But it doesn't. It it does not. It does not replace in person. I just don't see yeah. how it ever can. In my opinion. And lastly, what motivates you to get up in the morning? Oh, just the journey. The journey and the uh, the excitement of the unknown which hasn't always been the case because not too long ago there was, it was the reverse and there was the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. But, the, the, you know, that's what gets me up because somewhere along this journey that flipped and it has to do with a lot of these practices, obviously, and why I'm so excited and passionate about, uh, about them. But that just, you know, a conversation with you and the, the unknown of, of, I didn't know who, who you were either other than listening to a couple episodes, but I mean, look, I mean, you, you, listeners can't see me, but I'm smiling, I'm energized. And I mean, that's a gift that you've given me for the rest of this afternoon is that energy. And, um, that was unknown. So yeah, first of all, thank you. And, and that's what oh. lights me up. No, thank you. Okay. So, um, Please tell, I will put all of these links in the show notes, but could you tell everyone where they can find you? And I, I think if they go yeah. to one of the sites, they can download a free chapter. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'll keep it super simple. One link for really everything. The The podcast is there, me, the socials, the book. Uh, it's just behindthehuman.com. And uh, as we speak now, the... A book is available for pre-order. October 19th is when it's officially out. And that's uh, hard copy, ebook, and audiobook. Wonderful. Mark, thank you so much. It's been truly a delight to speak to you. Thank you, really. And have a beautiful day. 
Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember, whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there.